We don't want or shouldn't help those people. Those people feel there is no hope, no future. Time to change the story. This is re-entry. We're here with Rachel Yancey. She is, what What would you say your actual position is here? I mean, uh, you're pretty program, much... Program director, um, counselor, minister, uh, teacher, mother. Uh, I was going to say, you, because you, you're like the woman here for how many guys? Uh, for Hall of Haven of Rest right now, 62. For 62 guys, you're the mother. Yep. Uh, so that is literally a title I would definitely give you. Mm-hmm. Um, but program director, but that, that encompasses everything from talking to them before they get out. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Picking them up. Yes. Getting them to Haven's Arrest, finding them a job, um, and then helping them transition back into civilian life That's and right. all that that entails. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, we're we're hands on. You know, we don't part out any of the necessary things they have to do. In other words, other places you have to go to the food stamp office, you have to go to the hospital, you got to go to this agency. I do it all, do it all. The the day that they arrive, every need they have has already been addressed, and it's just in a matter of about two days, it's 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 all taken care of. So while it's also, while it's very efficient, it's also very time consuming it is, it on is. your part. It is. So yeah. um, if yeah, if you could just start us out, what got you here? But also, you know, what are the steps that I know you've got kind of unique stories? So I want people to to see and hear um, just the dramatic change. Um, that can happen in a person's life, and then what you do about it. Okay, well, I can tell you definitely God knows us before we're born. He knows what we're going to do. Um, I was born deaf and could not speak, um, had several surgeries. I did not learn to speak or, and did not gain my hearing until the age of five. Are you serious? Mm-hmm. <laughs> to the age of I five. Didn't, I did not know that. Mm-hmm. Okay. To the All age right. of five. And so about a month, my mother said, before kindergarten, um, they had done another surgery. And they had taken my adenoids out, had done some uh, tubes in my ears, things of that nature. Uh, but about a month prior to kindergarten, the last surgery they did, I, I was able to hear. And I can remember that day. I mean, I can remember it. I can see my hair and ponytails and everything. So whereas where most people don't even remember not hearing or seeing, you can literally pinpoint the day. Yep. And uh, um, went to, had to do speech therapy for seven years, kindergarten through sixth grade, um, to learn how to speak. And um, at the end of sixth grade, they wanted me to transition into junior high. And I said, absolutely not. It's over. I'm done. I'm going to take what I've learned, and I'm going to move on to junior high, and I'm not doing any more speech therapy. And, um, and so went to the same elementary most of my life and, uh, and was in school with all the same kids. Um, was always for the underdog, always. <laughs> That's just the way I was. Um, God made me that way. Right. Uh, my best friend was a little girl with one arm. And my other best friend was a little lie ocean that came over that no one wanted to have anything to do with. Of course. And so, of course, I moved forward in junior high and excelled in all all sports, volleyball, basketball, track, all of it, cross country, excelled very well. Which is interesting because, especially hearing, that plays so much into, like, hand-eye coordination and all that. So once that came back, it was— Excelled in all of it. But I was in church from the age of 5 until 14. Uh, It was in me. If the church doors were open, I was there. Uh, summer school, summer, you know, Bible, Bible camp, all of that for, for nine, almost 10 years. Love to sing, love to sing and praise God. Couldn't carry a tune in the bucket, but I went to a little Baptist <laughs> church, Friendly Lane Baptist in Columbia Baptist, and the little ladies there just love 
to hear me and uh, <laughs> and to watch me, and because I just was making a joyful noise. And yep. uh, at the age of fourteen, I got away from that, started smoking a little bit of pot, drinking alcohol. I gotta know that. Is there anything that like? Flip the switch. It really started with my brother at home. So and it's those sad. outside influences, yep. but close ones. Yes, oh. and um, and of course he didn't want us doing it with anyone else. You know, you not. you do it with with me only. You know, I'm going to keep you safe, but at the same time we're doing drugs. And so I didn't listen, and I started dabbling with other things at the age mm-hmm. of 16. Um, ended up uh, getting pregnant at the age of 16. Um, my mother, I got married at the age of mm-hmm. 16, just prior to my 17th birthday. My okay. mother had to sign for me to marry, and he was 21. Oh, wow. Um, he worked for my father, uh, my stepfather. We got married. Um, I lost a baby very quickly oh. after we uh, were married, and he became physically abusive. Uh, the marriage lasted for about three months. Uh, kept going to the police back then. They didn't do anything. They didn't lock you up. They just wrote you a ticket for hitting your wife. In in eighty five and eighty six, that's all they did was so try to take it. So at least some things have progressed since. Yes, then. <laughs> and so I left him. I left him, and it was crazy because a man that was coming to the Sonic where I worked for years um, had told me, "Don't don't marry this guy. I know him, and he's not a good guy." I'll, you know, I understand you're pregnant, but literally, he said, "I will take care of you and your baby." And of course, you know, when you're young, you don't believe that. And you got the blinders on. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I ran into him the day I moved out of my husband's house, and we were together for almost eleven years. Wow. I have my two children with him. It's the only two children I have. Yep. Only two children I have. Um, and um, we smoked weed. Um, uh, and, of course, I, I did math behind his back. He would never have, uh, have allowed it. Um, but we, nonetheless, we were drug users. Mm-hmm. Pots of drug. And, um, and From he, everything I'm hearing, it's what leads into others. It is. It is. And, of course, he, he had extramarital affairs. Um, I put up with it for a long time and finally just said, you know, he tried to keep me down. I didn't work. I stayed at home with my kids. Um, ironically, he had always sold cars, and so I was always with him at his different car lots. And so I learned the business and actually went out and got hired on as a saleswoman and made very good money, was able to save up the money to leave and divorce him. And once I divorced, I began began using meth all the time, mm. all the time. I was a PTA mom. I was a cheerleading coach for the YMCA for my kids. Um, so How old were your kids at this point? Um, when we divorced, my kids were six and seven. And okay. Yeah, they were six and seven. And, um, and we were, even though we had our fair share of problems, we, even to this day, we are a very close-knit family. We are mom and dad. We love our kids. Our kids know without a doubt we love them, and it, it did a number on my kids. Um, we had to put them in counseling when we divorced. Um, they didn't understand why mom and daddy couldn't be together. It was very traumatic to my kids. Um, and I think that's primarily where the drug use came in, and I was so afraid of hurting my kids. I allowed them to go live with their father. And uh, he just was in a better better position to take care of the kids. Um and so they lived with their dad um, all the way up till they were teenagers. And um, I never could get it together. I didn't never feel confident enough to have my kids in my home because of what I was doing. Um, mm-hmm. And so I used and used and used and, um, and functioned for many, many years. Uh, a lot of people did not even know that I was on anything other than smoking a little bit of pot and drinking a little bit. And that was it. They had no idea I had used meth nonstop for years. Wow. And, I mean, um, were you just that good at hiding it? or I just, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm ADD, I'm high energy, and so the stuff really didn't, you know? <laughs> so, there's, not, there's not that much difference yeah, between and normal so, Rachel yeah, and, and Rachel. Right, gotcha. and so it just kind of calmed me down. But then when you 
now you've lost your job, you've lost your home, you're with it. Now I'm with an abusive boyfriend um, over in Dallas in a drug house. Um, didn't belong there, didn't need to be there. Um, and my daughter started coming there. And uh, the boyfriend I had had a cousin, and she got tangled up with the cousin. My daughter was a high school cheerleader. Um, was doing very well in school and got tangled up with him, never been in any trouble, and ran off with him at the age of 17 and um, got on drugs, got arrested for burglary of a building. Um, she went to jail first. My 18-year-old my daughter went to jail first. Like before you? Before me. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And um, so when my daughter went to jail, we found out she's pregnant. And uh, I can remember... Uh, the day he, the boyfriend I was with, he had just beat the daylights out of me, and he had some stolen property in a car, and he was going to stop at a house and try to sell it, and he didn't want me out of the car because I had black eyes. And um, and so he says, you just sit here, and I'll be back, and I'm watching you. And he walks over, and I can see him. And that day I says, you know, all, all months prior to that, I just would cry to God and say, I don't understand why you let this happen to me. How could you even let me wake up every morning? Look, I'm just useless, you know, mm-hmm. and just would complain and complain to God, just complain. And But that day something changed in me, and um, I can remember just sitting there and saying, God, I, I can't do this anymore. And it was the first time in years I actually said, God, help me. Mm-hmm. And I knew God. I knew God for a long time. Right. And uh, I said, I can't do this. You're going to have to help me. And the starter on that car would hang. And so when you'd go to start the car, it would and catch. And I told God, I said, you've got to give me the courage to get out of this car and get in that driver's seat and start this car and drive away. Because I knew if he caught me trying to leave, he'd, he'd probably beat me to death. But I had an opportunity. He walked over to where I couldn't see him. I got out of the car. I got in the door. My hands were shaking so hard I couldn't even open the car door. I got in the car and I said, God, if you're real, you'll let me start this car and you'll let me drive off. And if you will let me drive off, I will never be engaged in this lifestyle again, ever. And you know what? I started that car. As soon as it started, I looked up and he he saw me and he heard the car and he come running. And I just threw the car in drive and hit the gas pedal, ran right through the stop sign, didn't even look, didn't care because I knew what was going to be worse. And I drove away. Um, went to another friend's house and hadn't seen him in, in years. And um, and he said, you can stay with me. I said, I need to turn myself in. I'm, I've not been reported to probation for a few months. I was on probation for the possession of controlled substance. Um, and um, he said, okay, you can clean up here and get yourself together and go turn yourself in. Uh, and and I didn't. You know, I, I, I didn't. And um, You think he knew that? Yeah, yeah. My, it's kind of ironic. My daughter went to jail the day after my birthday, and uh, which was August 9th. And um, and her being in jail, um, her birthday was approaching, and so I was going to go to my mother's on November 10th on her birthday. And I'm driving to my mother's house, and I'm in a car, and I did not know the brake lights didn't work. And so I'm turning to go to my mother's, and vroom, cop pulls up right behind me. I get pulled over one house away from my mother's house. <laughs> one house. And I've been drinking. I've been drinking quite a bit. And he gets out and he comes up to the window and I gave him another married name. And um, he said, look, my shift's almost over. You know, let me write you some tickets. I'm going to run your name. And God said, what are you doing? And I said, this is it. Now I need you to give me the courage to go back there and tell him the name that I'm running under and tell him I'm done. And he gave me the courage. I got out of the car (laughs) and I walked back there. My hands are up. He said, what are you doing? And I said, the name I gave you, that's, that's my name, but I'm wanted under a different name. He said, what do you mean wanted? Are you wanted for murder? I said, no, sir. I haven't been reporting to probation, and I'm done. 
and there's probably a warrant for me, and I, I need you to take me to jail. And he's like, you're kidding me, lady. And I'm like, no. <laughs> And he's, That's what I'd be like. I'd be like, who does this? Yeah, and he says, you know, you yeah. said your mom lives right there. I'm going to impound your car because you don't have a license, you don't have insurance, but you walk over to your mother's, and tomorrow we'll turn yourself in. I said, nope. Otherwise, I, mean, I won't yep. do it. And I said, I've been trying to turn myself in for almost three months, and tonight has to be the night. I'm done. I said, I'm, I'm just done. You will take me to jail <laughs> right now. And sure enough, he's like, all right. He runs the name. He said, you're right. You have a probation violation. Get over here and put your hands behind your back, and he arrests me. And he just couldn't believe it. He's mad he had a date, and he was mad all the way to the police department. Really? Yes, he was mad. I would mad. have just been laughing the whole time. He was really? mad. Really? <laughs> and uh, didn't charge me with drinking. He knew I'd been drinking. Didn't charge me with that. Um, uh, but I woke up, uh, uh, and sure enough, I'm waking up, and I'm thinking, I really did this last night. I really did. And so, um, uh, so we have a story. Her clean date is the day after my birthday, and my clean date is literally the day after her birthday. Oh. Yeah, it is. And uh, she used the day before, and I used the day before, and our clean dates are each other's, the day after each other's birthdays. And, um, and of course, I'm in Haltom City. My daughter is pregnant in Tarrant County, and that's where they moved me. They moved me on her birthday. And so I waited up, and sure enough, I get to jail, and I'm like, I just, I just want to see my baby because I couldn't go see her. I had warrants. Right. And I said, I just, God, I just want to see her. And so I'd asked a question to the lady. I said, are family members even allowed to be in the same uh, pod? And they're like, oh, no, oh, no. So I didn't say anything. And I paced and I paced, and I knew where she was. And they said, okay. And it was, I didn't ask for any certain pod. I just said, God, I need to see my kid. He put me right across the hall from her. And there's glass in between each pod. And I knew which where she was. And uh, so I waited up all night because I knew she'd get up for breakfast. And I st- and I sat there and I waited. And here she come, wiping her eyes, coming out, coming down the stairs. And I'm just and she's looking at me and I'm telling her to be quiet. And she can't believe it. And I says, you know, now I've got to see her. Lord, now I need to touch her. She's in a trusty pod. So you can only be pregnant or be a sower. And so I put in to be a sower. Couldn't sow a lick. <laughs> Took me down to do the sewing test, and Miss Kumar still remember Miss Kumar's name. She said, "You not sew, you this no, no sew." And I said, "I will work. I will do anything you ask me to do. I'm telling you, I'll be the hardest worker in here." She said, "Ah, I don't know, I don't know. You go back and sit me back." And I prayed <laughs> all the way upstairs. And when I got upstairs, they said, "Wilson, roll it up. You're going over to the trustee pod. They're going to make you a sewer." Huh? I go over there, and so now I get to touch my child. Oh wow. I went in to get all settled in, and she comes to my door, and she says, Mom, get up. And I'm like, for what? She said, we have church. I never raised my kids. I did not raise my kids in church. And I'm like, what are you talking about? She said, Mom, I've been going to this little church service they have here, and you're going. We need to go. And here my daughter is telling me. I said, you know, I'm tired. She said, I will stand here and get in trouble unless you get up and go with me. And I got up, and I went with her. And we went, and they were asking if anyone did not know Jesus, um, that they could do that right there. Um, We gave our our lives to Christ. Um, Like a long story short, we stayed together. We did Bible studies. And um, and they they pulled me out to go get a test. They thought I had breast cancer. And uh, the judge wanted to make sure I didn't have cancer before he sentenced me. And they pulled me. When they got me downstairs, the lady asked, are you the mother of the daughter? Mm-hmm. And I said, what? And she said, don't lie. And I said, I'm the mother who told. She said, y'all look just alike. And one of the girls in the pod told. And I said, that's okay. I said, that's okay. And so she took me. It was the same officer that took me. I didn't have cancer. They, they brought me back. It was lunchtime. But, but it, they were nice enough to leave my daughter out and let me tell her bye and pack my stuff. And they had to move me. 
Um, but you know what? I cried like a baby when they did that. But Monday morning, one of the girls came to me and said, they pulled your daughter to, she was sentenced to three years in prison. She pulled this morning. And so a lot of people don't understand that, but God allowed me to say bye on our terms, even though we were being separated, because it would have been easier knowing I was going to another pod than knowing my daughter was getting on a bus to go to prison. Mm. He gave me that. He said, what are you crying for? He said, you look at, you look. And I saw that in that. And um, she went on and I went on and I got sentenced to two years. I'm in prison, but I'm going to tell you one thing I want to make sure that, that everyone knows. Jeremiah 29 11. I'd never seen that verse. I didn't know what that verse was. I saw it in Hawkins City Jail and it just said Jeremiah 29 11. I said, I got to get a Bible and read this. Mm. And so I read it for I know the plans that I have for you. And I, it just it stuck in my mind. And we communicated. My son gets locked up. He goes to prison while I'm in prison. So now my daughter, my son, and I are in prison. None of our family, none of my family has ever been in jail or prison. They just, they just haven't. Um, but uh, we're communicating. She gives birth to my grandson. Um, uh, they, I lose contact. No letters, no nothing. I don't know what's going on. Um, I made parole. Didn't understand it. She did not make parole. Um, if I won, you're going home. And I can remember crying, and I said, I don't have anywhere to go. I'd written Haven of Rest, and... Um, uh, never heard back from them. I so Haven Arrest was a thing even before you got yes, there? Yes, yes. Okay. And they finally sent me an acceptance letter and turned it in. Pro lost it. Pro lost it. Uh, I got a story for that, too. Yep. <laughs> so Pro lost it. And I'm just like, you know, I just, I don't understand. And I wrestled with God and said, you know, here my daughter is just giving birth to a grandson. I don't know what's going on with her, but she doesn't make pro. I have nowhere to go and nothing. Nobody waiting on me, and I make pro. And uh, uh, I just, I don't know, God. I said, you know, if I knew my daughter was okay, I might be able to just go out and do it. That's all I prayed. I just, if I just knew my daughter was okay, I haven't heard from her in four weeks. Um, and you just got to give me the strength, do what I need to do. And I wrote Haven of Rest, and I didn't get a letter back in time. Now they're sending me to a state-funded halfway house in Dallas. I made parole um, at the end of April. Um, and here we are. They get me out August 7th, day before my birthday. And so the, the day before I'm released, um, I go across the street. I'm in an outside trusty camp. No wires, no nothing. You just walk around. Right. So I'm going across the street for my final class. It changes. We get held up, and the guard's late, and da-da-da-da-da, and we're walking down the street. And my friend says, someone is yelling, Mom. And I stopped, and I heard it. And I said, that's my daughter. She said, there's no way. And I turned around, and my daughter has got her commissary bags on her shoulders running my daughter. So what had happened? She had had her baby, and her dad came and got our grandson. Her father came and got him the day yeah. he was born, and she had pulled up. She went on a bench warrant in Dallas. It's the reason I didn't get no communication from her. I didn't know where what she was. What does that mean? Um, she had a charge out of Dallas that she had sent in to be bench warranted, so she wouldn't have to be, once she was released from prison, she wouldn't have to go over to face other charges, run them all concurrent. And so she had just pulled to that unit. And had been there for a couple of days, and she hadn't had commissary in two months, so they let her go to commissary, which was in the same building where I was being held up at. There was no guard to walk everybody back. Mm. So when they released our group, then they released her by herself. She was there by herself. They released her right behind me. My daughter was literally walking behind me and Melanie Webb, and she knew me by my walk. <laughs> That's awesome. And wow. so she's running, and here comes my changes. It, this is This is God. This is God. Here comes my changes teacher, and she runs up, and she says, this is the daughter you've been talking about this whole time. That's your daughter, isn't it? She looks just like you, and I said, it is. And uh, I said, I go home tomorrow. 
She's like, what? And I said, I go home tomorrow. And she said, oh, mom, oh, mom. And, and the changes teacher says, you know, hug her. And I said, I don't want to get her in trouble because you can't do that, yeah. you know. Yeah. We look around. There's no mm. guards. I'm telling you, they were <laughs> not there. And she said, you right. hug her right now. And I hugged Aww. her and told her I loved her and went on to class, cried the whole class. We leave. We're leaving again. We're walking down the path to go back over to my unit. And I hear it again. And I look up and her, where she was at, she was in the window waving Aww. And she saw me again, and uh, she was waving by. And I tell you what, for I know the plans that the Lord has. See, he was telling me I had to come out first because I was going to lead the way. That's it. Mm. And he and he showed me that. I, I get out. I go to the transitional house over there. I'm over there. The conditions were not good. They were not <laughs> good. And, um, and I'm there for over five weeks. I mean, I've already contacted Haven of Rest. I'm like, look, they sent me here. We're going to get you. No worries. We're going to do the paperwork. Weekend, week out, I'm going to pro. I'm like, anything, have y'all verified it? What am I going to do? And and I'm going to church, and I'm carrying my Bible, and I'm ministering to people and sharing the Word of God and reading the Bible. And and uh, just the day, I just said, you know what? I'm going home today. Hmm. Pearl called me, and I'm going home today. I'm going to Haven of Rest today. Sure enough, I go over there, and that's it. They're going to release me. Two girls from Haven of Rest pick me up. I get here. This place is off the chain. Every woman in that house but one was either drinking or drugging or both. Mm. So I'm crying again. <laughs> I'm crying I thought this again. was the spot. <laughs> and I'm like, God, what's going on here? I can't be around people that are using drugs and drinking. I can't do it. Dried up. There's things you need to do. God says, you're going to have to tell what's going on. Mm. And uh, I did. Went to Pastor Yancey. Didn't know him. Just a couple days. And I said, look, I got to tell you something. I just said, I can't be here. I can't do this. I can't live in this atmosphere. And I said, you're all giving, you're giving all of us a place to live. And this is what's going on here. And he's like, you know what? For years, people, parole officers and other people have been trying to tell him what was going on. He just didn't believe them. He didn't know. He didn't have a clue. And so I came in and told Pastor Yancey, and he says, you know what? It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. Mm. Um, and I said, well, I can help around here. And I was already driving the girls and, and doing things in leadership position. And, um, and I said, I'd like to go to school. And it got set huh. up with, and he said, we'll do that. And so I went and met with this woman uh, from Project Rio. And, um, and she said, what if I could get you a grant to go to college? And I said, well, I was told I couldn't go to college on a grant because I have a felony. And she said, well, someone lied to you. <laughs> and so yeah, in a week, she said, set me up with this man. And I went over and he said, well, we're going to do your grant. And we did it. And he says, uh, you know, you can pay for one class on your own. And uh, I, I paid for that little semester in summer. And then I got a full Pell Grant. And so I started full time. Four years later, well, uh, I graduated uh, my bachelor's degree from Texas Wesleyan in highest honors. And um, what? what I've, got, I've, got chemo- I've got a, a licensed chemical dependency counselor internship. I've got a mental health and clinical and counseling psychology, and then a four-year degree of psychology from Texas Wesleyan, uh, emphasis wow. in forensic science and sociology. Okay. Yeah. And all because, and, the, and, and this is, <laughs> I don't know if I could like sum up what we've done so far. It's, it's God giving you a specific circumstance and a specific situation you know don't can't can't hear can't speak okay i'll change that but that's going to come in handy later god coming in later on and saying okay no i'm going to grab you i'm going to make you all about me for the first formative years of your life so you know who i am yep you're going to run for me but i'm going to come grab you again see yes and all you have to do is listen and have the courage to take the steps yep. 
and you finally did that that night, turning yourself in. I, I think that's probably the first story I've ever heard of somebody in. turning themselves in and just saying, I'm done. I'm done. So you went, you got your degree. I could have went back in the car business, chose not to do that. That was not a good good path good for me. Few, probably a yeah, trigger. I made thousands, and I just said, that's why I was telling Jeff while I go, if i got to stay poor to stay clean and sober, Lord, keep me poor um, and, and just joyful in you. I mean, that's I'm, I'm serious about that. Mm-hmm. Um, so as to that, you, you, you shed light on what was happening when you first got here at Haven's Arrest. You shed light on what was going on with the college program. Did that, like, clean things up? It did. Oh, yeah. We, Whenever I pointed out what was going on, we got rid of everybody. And um, we had one. He had four houses then. Um, and now we have um, we have nine. We mm-hmm. have nine. We have a couple of the Chains of Grace houses that are Haven yep. of Rest. Um, but aside from that, we have seven that are actually Haven of Rest. Um, and you know what? He and I started dating um, January of 2000 and. Nine. And this uh, is Pastor Nolan mm-hmm. Yancey. Pastor Nolan Yancey. We yeah. dated for a long time. And we married January 30th of 2010. And he's the director. Of he it. is the director. Yeah, um, but one thing that I made my mind up when it came to men, because men had just been a really bad down, downfall for me, is God, if they do not love you first and foremost, you keep them out of my life, away from me, and don't put them in my path. Because I, I don't, I won't, I, I don't want that. They have to love you first, and it's crazy. I was going to say, even even the fact that you can love men again after your story, what you've been through, <clears throat> now you're surrounded by what you said in the beginning, 60-something men. Mm-hmm. You're the mom now, yep. and you you hold nothing against these nothing. guys. And, um, you know, I once heard Rachel, the, the, the meaning of Rachel is motherly, mother of many nations. Yep. But this is all God. God brought me here. These men, when they write to me, um, I don't see what they've done. I have to acknowledge what they've done only for honesty purposes. You know, mm-hmm. I've got to. I've got to know that you're, you know, being serious. We don't take the not guilty here at all. Mm-hmm. You have to be guilty. Um, uh, there's none good, not even one. The only perfect one is Jesus. Mm. Uh, but obedience. And many people have told us we're crazy, we're nuts. We, you know, how many employees you got? We don't have employees. We're not, this isn't a paid position. Either you come and love on our guys and be part of our ministry or you don't. Mm-hmm. And so we just said, God, we're just going to be alone. And so Nolan and I um, did what we had to do. We just got people to where they had to go. We got them jobs. We got them whatever they needed. And then, you know, through obedience, God brought forth the laborers. Mm-hmm. The harvest is, is much, but the laborers are few. Yeah. So that's, I mean, I think that's the big thing I want people to get out of today mm-hmm. is... <laughs> With your story, with your experience, with the way God has orchestrated your heart, your mind, your talents, uh, the knowledge he's given you to get you through college, um, with your degrees, the positions he's put you in, is that what makes the difference between Haven's Arrest, Chains of Grace, and state fund yes. state funded houses? Yes, absolutely. absolutely. And like what? So, as people are listening and figuring out, so how can I help them versus somebody else, or does it make a difference? This is what I want them to hear. This is the difference. And this is the experience that only God through you guys has has brought out of this whole scenario. And if they're going to give somewhere, it's got to be to things like this. So what do you, what do you, Rachel, on the ground, in the midst of everything, what does it need to go from just Rachel to the next 50 Rachels and uh, see not just a hundred beds, but a thousand beds? You know, for? and I tell you, uh, uh, 
you know, a lot of people, um, the last couple Sundays, Rick's talked about suffering. And so Rick outlines the word passion. Mm. And you hear a lot of people going, I'm passionate about this, I'm passionate about that, and passion is suffering. What you're passionate about is what you're willing to suffer, suffer for. for. Mm. And mm. so what are you willing to suffer for? And and so I'm willing to suffer for God. I am. Mm. And and so so you ask, what do we need? This is what we need. We need funding, you know, helping people find housing and, you know, IDs and birth certificates. But we're kind of limited right now. You've got to have the laborers, um, people that are really the hands and feet of Jesus Christ. You know, mm-hmm. it's how do we do these things? Um, and so in the grand scheme of things, I believe that we just all have to come together um, and unify you know, do kingdom work. It's all about kingdom work. Uh, I was going to say, and that's one of the big things that this podcast is for. And one other way that Change the Grace is reaching out is bringing in other organizations and things like that that are going to partner together, pull the resources, find others who have that passion, who are willing to suffer, whether it be with their hands and feet, whether it be with their pocketbook, whether it be whatever God has gifted them with to be able to say, okay, obviously from these stories, these people are worth it. Yeah. God thought they were worth it from birth, you know, to heal, to watch them fall, to help them get back up. God is saying these people are worth it. Now we need people to realize that and come yeah. alongside us and say, okay, yes, they're worth it. So if you've listened to this today and it has been put on your heart at all, and all we need you to do is come contact us, chainsofgrace.org. You can find us on social media under Chains of Grace, uh, Twitter, and Facebook. Come back here every other Friday. We'll have something either new or refreshed for you on the podcast. Or you can find our number and email address on the website as well. So that again, www.chainsofgrace.org. Rachel, thank you so much for being here today. You're um, your story is just incredible, and I really hope some people get some stuff out of it and I do contact too. us. I do too. I do too.